Unveiling Grace podcast, a place where we want you to experience a grace that heals. We are delighted you're with us for this episode. I'm Joel. And I'm Lynn. And today we're going to talk about uh, kind of an odd subject. I guess a little, power yes. of a grace touch. We're going to talk about touch today. Okay, well, that's fascinating. Um, we need grace. We need touch. I'm guessing you've probably got a story. <laughs> I, I do, Good. actually. Um, I got to thinking about this a few years ago. One of my sons was on his mission for a performance-based religion. And he'd been in an area for a while, and there there weren't other people that he knew in this area. He was kind of isolated, he and his companion. And he got really lonely. Yeah. And he was feeling a little bit discouraged, maybe depressed even. Okay, that can happen. And this came out in a weekly email. And so I went to pray about that son. This was several years ago. And when I prayed, I had this idea that probably came from God, that one of the things he was struggling with was that he had not had physical touch at this point for nearly two years. That wow missionaries in this performance-based religion are not to hug. Okay, I was going to say, wow, two years without a hug, that's rough. <laughs> I, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. And not to have physical touch, and especially since they were isolated in a country where they could not proselytize, they were okay. trying to figure out some humanitarian things to do there, very isolated, no other members close. Um, it occurred to me that just that lack of physical touch um, might might make him a little bit miserable and that just having that touch might be a real healer. Right. right. So I wrote that to my son in the next email that I had been praying about it and I had gotten that insight. And he told me later that he wept when he read that. It felt like truth to him, that he really did miss yeah. this human contact during that period of time. Um, so there are times in the Word, right, where yes. there was human touch and a touch of grace made all the difference. Let me, let me read this story. This is kind of a, um, a recent example. Okay. Kylie leaped at the chance to go to a remote area of East Africa to assist on a medical mission. Yet, she felt uneasy. She didn't have any medical experience, but she decided she could provide basic care for people. Well, while there, she met a woman with a horrific but treatable disease. I'm sure it probably looked awful. The woman's distorted leg repulsed her, but Kylie knew she had to do something for this woman. As she cleaned and bandaged her leg, her patient began crying. 
Concerned, Kylie asked if she was hurting her. Oh no, replied the woman. It's the first time anyone has touched me in nine years. Nine years without human touch. Wow. So. There's a story in the word about touch, right? A couple of them. Yeah, and as humans, we are wired. We are designed for relationship, and part of relationship and intimacy is touch. That's how um, we're created. And yes, um, I think about Jesus and how often he physically touched people who were considered untouchable. Um, lepers who came to him and say, you know, if you're willing, you can make us clean. And Jesus, so are you willing? And yes. And and it's he never the same yes. twice. He said yes, and yes. then he touched. Yes. Right. And it was never it was never necessarily exactly the same way twice. So it's not like there's any magic. But very often, um, it was just Jesus coming in close proximity and touching the untouchable. Um, I think of the I think of the story of the Samaritan woman at the well mm. and his disciples leave him and he's there and he sees her come it's obviously he's a Jew he's a Jewish rabbi a teacher um, she's very obviously a Samaritan woman uh, they say historically culturally the time of day she was coming when there was nobody else there was probably an indication of her social status being isolated or estranged for her community because getting water was usually a woman's community event. And they went together and they talked and they shared and, and yet right. she's coming alone in kind of the middle of the heat of the day. And what Jesus does is, while we don't know that he physically ever touched her, he reaches out to her and socially, culturally, um, certainly spiritually, emotionally, he touches her and he asks her for a drink. And her response is so telling because her response is, wait, you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan, for a drink? Don't you know we don't even use the same cups and bowls? If it's been in a Samaritan's right. hand, a Jew is not going to touch it. Exactly. Jews were not supposed to, to be communicating with Samaritans or touching them. They were unclean. Right. right. And they were considered, I mean, they were considered dogs. They had mixed their race, they had mixed their culture, they had mixed their religion with the pagan Gentile religions. And so, yes, they, and so, and so Jesus, he does this, he initiates the conversation, he breaks all the social, cultural, mm. spiritual norms of his day to impact this woman with, um, with his touch. And we, you know, we know at the end of the story, she goes and actually brings the whole village back out. And Jesus stays, Jesus and his disciples stay for a couple of days, teaching them and interacting them. And you know that there had to be touch. You aren't in that sort of culture community for a couple of days without, without touching people. So, Well, the other thing, right, the status of a woman in either culture wasn't yes. necessarily equal to a man always. And right. so here's Jesus bringing the good news to a woman and a questionable woman, right? right? And then she becomes the first evangelist in her community and begins right. spreading the good news to exactly. other people. What an interesting God that is, that he reaches out and touches kind of the untouchable. Right. 
And then his message of grace goes forward. Yes, because he's all about inviting people into personal relationship with himself. That's what he wants. He wants heart-to-heart -heart communication. Um, any other stories that you can think of? Well, I wanted to tell you that exact well still exists. Have you been there? I've been oh, there. Oh, that is so cool. I've never been to Israel, so I want to go someday. Absolutely. So you have been at Jacob's Well. I have in been. In Samaria. It's, it was near the city of Shechem, where Abraham originally settled. Okay. And so that well is still there, and a church has been built over the top of it. Okay. And I'll, I'll look for some of those pictures. Oh, that'd be fun to put in the show notes. notes. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great to add in. Okay, just, so... Just a little block of um, stone. Right, they weren't the they were much. Pulling. It was just a hole down to the ground where you could draw water out. And, um, yeah, the that's fascinating. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. So any other stories where we see Jesus involved in, you know, that, that physical touch with other people? Well, physical touch is interesting uh, coming from emotional behavioral disorders. Um, I, I often taught, um, worked with mm -hmm. people who were in great crisis and trial, okay. right? And often they'll cathart by yelling. They're just frustrated beyond what they can deal with, right? Sometimes just the human touch will bring someone down. So there's a story in this book about a 70-year-old woman who was on a train traveling from one place to another. And a young man was quite angry and rather out of control and began wow. to shout. In a closed train. In a oh, closed wow. train yes. obscenities, right? And this 70-year-old woman, who was a little bit afraid of him, felt impressed that she should just go and touch him. And so, so. she walked over to the young man, put her hand on his shoulder, and what was emotionally up here came down to here. And he looked at her and said, thank you, Grandma. Of course, it wasn't his yeah, grandma. Yeah, but still. But she had done that for him. And sometimes in my work with folks with emotional and behavioral disorders, that touch was critical. In fact, some kids I would just wrap my arms around and hug them very tightly, help them feel safe. Yes. And kind of feel like they could control all of that emotion. Yeah. So... Jesus was not afraid um, of touching or of being touched. Um, no. I think about um, what's, because there's, oh, the, he's at a party. Um, he's invited by a Pharisee or Jewish ruler or somebody, which is often the case. They were, it seems like you're always inviting Jesus to parties and then, <laughs> and then judging him from afar. I don't know what it was a setup, but he would go. I and mean, the amazing thing is he'd go to these parties. And be welcome. But a woman comes in at one of these parties. Yes. Do you remember that story? Yes. And yes, she... the one who brought the alabaster 
box? Is that what you're thinking with the ointment? Well, I'm thinking the... of the one who she, well, we know because of the commentary, she's a prostitute and she comes and starts crying. Mm. And she just comes and she sits at Jesus' feet while he's probably reclining at this party. So she's like right there and she starts crying on his feet and gets his feet all wet with her tears and then dries his feet with her hair. hair. And the people around are scandalized. In fact, if I remember the story right, we'll put the reference in the show notes. You can check out <laughs> us to see how close we are on this. But if I remember the story right, what they're saying is, is if Jesus knew what kind of woman this was that was touching him like this, mm-hmm. he would not he would not be putting up with this. If he's a righteous, holy rabbi, he would not let this kind of woman come and be this physically intimate with him. And In I really front of other people too, right? right? And uh, I really didn't understand or grasp that story totally, and this why they were scandalized by Jesus's behavior until um, one time when my wife and I were part of a small drama group from our church, and we got asked to do a series of little vignettes, little short dramas, with very few words for foreign students who were studying at one of the local universities. Most of them were from. Um, Eastern Europe, Asia. So the great majority were coming from a totally non-Christian background. And so the idea was, let's just introduce them to who Jesus is through a series of dramas. Uh-huh. And so it wasn't necessarily about proselytizing, but it was, you know, it was a cultural thing for them. It was a field trip, sort of, they came across the state. So we were part of that team. Well, one of the dramas they picked from Jesus' life was this story of this woman who comes in. So I got asked to play the role of Jesus. And my wife got asked to play the woman who comes and cries at his feet. And, you know, of course, the whole point of the story is he who loves much. um, I mean, he who has been forgiven much, loves much. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there dressed like Jesus. And and there's other people around kind of watching. And my wife comes in and she's, you know, just right, like, right. And we had guard. We had this. But. She gets down at my feet, and I'm thinking, okay, she's just going to... And the next thing I know, I feel my wife's tears on my bare feet. She comes in, she takes off my sandals, Mm. and my wife is a phenomenal actress. She's just amazing. And she starts crying. She gets herself... So she's crying real tears. I'm feeling these tears hit my feet. Now, that's disconcerting enough to have a woman's tears on your feet. But then she takes her long hair which she was probably down the middle of her back, um, kind of takes off her headpiece and then takes her hair and throws it up over her head, bends down, so her hair is now totally covering my feet and begins to dry mm. her tears with her hair. And it was such an intimate... I thought if there was any other woman doing this besides my wife, I would be freaking out because this is so close and so personal and so intimate. And in that moment, I realized why the people around Jesus were scandalized. This, I mean, to do it in public. Mm. And yet Jesus is not, he accepts this woman's touch. And as we were talking about this, what hit me was, even though she's initiating the touch, Jesus is still touching her. By letting her touch him, Jesus touches her Mm. with his compassion, with his acceptance, with his forgiveness. And again, the whole point of this story, we understand because it's also his forgiveness. He has forgiven this woman who is a prostitute, we know from the context, 
um, but who's obviously repentant. And, and when they criticize him, he says, well, tell me, who is it that loves the most? The person who has been forgiven much or who has been forgiven little? And they say rightly, no, the person who's been forgiven much. He said, well, she has been forgiven much, and so she loves much. And I don't know if he says, you know, don't criticize her. But anyway, so I look at our God who takes on human flesh, Jesus, not only unafraid, but welcoming this intimate personal touch mm -hmm. that grace wants to extend. And I think, how often are we afraid of doing that? How often are we afraid of reaching out to other people? And maybe we don't touch them physically, but touching them emotionally, spiritually, um, in supportive ways where we make ourselves vulnerable to them and to rejection. I think that's part of what happens. I think part of what took the Samaritan woman aback was the fact that Jesus made himself vulnerable to her rejection. He said, you give me a drink of water. And she could have said, no way. I'm not doing it. He, he puts, he makes himself vulnerable to her rejection, but he does that to reach out to her. Mm. So. One last example I can think of is the woman with the issue of blood. A woman who had been yes. bleeding for 12 years, which in Jewish culture made her unclean, right? Yes, that's Literally, right. um, the old law, said that she had to go outside of the camp, right, and be cleansed even monthly, right? This is Yes, exactly. That was part, part of, of the Jewish cleansing. law and tradition. Yep. Right, and yet for 12 years this woman had been unclean. No one would touch her. And she's in this crowd and everyone's crowding around Jesus. And she reaches out and gets a hold of his robe. And he immediately turns around and says, Who touched me? And it's really funny because the disciples go like, wait, what What do you mean who touched you? <laughs> there, are, there are probably dozens or more crowding around right. you and you're saying, who touched me? But go on. And the scriptures say virtue went out of him. Yes. And she he felt, was healed. He felt the flow of his power and his grace go out toward this woman. Which and she's he instantly healed. Freely offers us. Right. And what's really cool is the woman knows when he says, who touched me, she knows she's been healed. Yeah. I'm not sure what kind of sensation that must have been in her body to have that. I, most commentators think it was probably a menstrual bleeding that she was experiencing. So mm -hmm. again, something probably very painful, um, very mm -hmm. socially Relentless. offensive. Mm -hmm. Yes. Un Probably um, smelly, yeah, all kinds of and to have that socially unacceptable, things. just like that. So yeah. she knew, and so she kind of comes back, you know, with a little trepidation, and and she's healed. Yeah, and this I, is the Jesus that can give that grace touch, right? And he yes. does it personally for us today, even and. We have so many things we can talk about. Right. We have a lot to talk about, don't we, about our God. Yes, and and I guess what I would like to do at this point, for those of you who are listening in on our conversation, is just to encourage you, and those who might be watching, to encourage you to reach out to this Jesus mm -hmm. who wants to let grace heal and transform your life at every level 
and to know he can be known. And I, you know, I know Jesus isn't walking the earth today, so Jesus can't come into your living room and give you a hug. And yet I can tell you, mm. I can tell you stories of people who have felt a hug from Jesus, that his closeness, his presence has been so real and so near. Yeah. Their soul was touched at a depth that they probably thought only physical touch could actually do. And yet God is capable of doing that. And he, and he wants to do that through his grace. And we need to be open to that. And we want to encourage people to, to experience this, this Jesus who offers a touch of grace. And when you've been touched by that grace, it has a strange freeing power. Yes. Um, for me, I became free from worrying about what other people thought. It had such power for me and made such a personal connection yes. between the Lord and myself that I could talk about it and I didn't really care what other people thought about it. It was very real yes. to me and continues to be daily. Yes. And that's the amazing thing is because... Jesus is actually more able to be present with us because of having gone and sending his Holy Spirit. Um, we are never without his presence. Mm. We are never out of the presence of God. And as we talked about in, in a previous episode where we talked about who is this God of grace and the fact that God is everywhere present. We can't be out of his presence. Um, and his Holy Spirit lives in us, literally. Exactly. So when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, mm. that's real. That's constant. That's 24-7, regardless of who you are, what you're going through. So, and so that help is always available. Yes, it is always available. And our encouragement to you is that you would reach out to this God of grace and that you would reach out to us, right? Absolutely. <laughs> With your thoughts and your questions and your concerns um, and and maybe even your topics for us, right? Right. Because so we hope this is going to be an ongoing podcast with lots of different episodes. So we would welcome your ideas for what you might want to see covered in this whole idea of unveiling grace and this idea that we can experience a grace that heals. That's what we want for you. That's what we've certainly experienced. And we just pray the grace and the peace of God on your lives. Mm. Totally agree. Good. Thanks so much for being <laughs> with us. Time. Until next time. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for being a podcast listener. Lynn and I hope our time with you is encouraging your heart and renewing your hope. We know that the more we trust the grace and love of Jesus, the more he is able to help our lives and relationships flourish. Now, I have a special invitation for those who are members or former members of the Mormon Church. Whoops, I'm so sorry. I know I'm not supposed to use the M word anymore. Anyway, you know who you are. and. If you are struggling with some of the recent changes or you are questioning certain aspects of this religious system, 
and you'd like a safe place to ask questions and explore options, consider requesting a mentor. The Institute for Religious Research, where I, Joel, am the executive director, offers one-on-one -on -one mentoring for people in a place of doubt, uncertainty, or transition. You can learn more about this free program where you set the agenda by going to irr.org and clicking on the Request a Mentor button. All the details you need will be right there. Go to irr.org and click on Request a Mentor. You don't have to walk alone. And speaking of not walking alone, Lynn and I love that we get to walk with you for a while every week. Here's an excerpt from next week's episode. We are imperfect people, but we're perfectly loved by God because of grace. But that imperfection and the fallenness and the brokenness of this world touches everyone. And often our deepest, most important relationships are touched with hurt, with disappointment, with betrayal, with abandonment. And so the message of hope is that grace can bring reconciliation to the worst of those scenarios. And we have stories. We always have stories. And later on, we've got one. But first... Oh, we should tell people why we have stories, right? Joel and I are both in ministry and work with folks who are working through some things. And right. uh, often the resolution, the result is reconciliation in the end. Yes, because here at IRR, um, we work a lot with people who are in what I like to call performance-based groups. In other words, their religious experience rests heavily, maybe in the majority, on their personal performance and how well they think they're doing based on what the religious system tells them to do. And that can be an exhausting process to be in, to be always performing. And so grace can rescue you from that. And I've been doing that for over 30 years. And you have your own story. Yes, we've been doing it, well, almost a decade now. We both have seen the fruit of reconciliation in people's lives. Yep, and in our own. <laughs> but today we probably that won't. Would be true. <laughs> it was a fun and candid conversation that you're not going to want to miss. So come join us at unveilinggracepodcast.com where you can experience a grace that heals.